Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. You want to come up? You want to come up? All right, thank you, Matthew. Well, y'all, I just want you to know how much I, I do feel your love over the last couple weeks, two, three weeks, um, with my dad's passing and my birthday and everything. And we're, we're getting ready to have a, um, a graveside service um, this coming Sunday. Or no, this coming Saturday. And uh, be with just pretty much our family, a few extra people from the outside. But it will be a wonderful time as we're able to kind of um, lay my father to rest and uh, release him completely to the Lord because that's where he is right now. He's with the Lord, which is a miracle in itself. So, yeah. Yeah. If you only knew. <laughs> but, uh, so, thank you. So, I'm going to have Eliza pray for me today. And uh, she, said, she said before yesterday, she said, you know, I think I'm going to pray for you before you preach. I said, I think I need it. And she says, I know you do. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, pray for me. So, yeah. Father, I thank you so much for this time and space that we are all together with you. I thank you that you are here. Lord, I ask that your words would be in Sam's mouth. And your anointing would be upon them. And Lord, I pray as your word is preached, that we would encounter you. Holy Spirit, would you breathe unto our hearts. And we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. And Lord, I pray that that knowledge would not cause a puffing up. But that knowledge would cause us to love you more and love one another more and to love uh, what you're doing more. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every misunderstanding, every misconception, uh, that you would meet us and replace it with you, your truth. We give you permission to highlight and transform. And I pray, Lord God, that it would not be a, a word that comes in our ear and then we go about our days, but that as we go, we would begin to walk it out and we look to you to help bring transformation in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I really, what I want to share today is really kind of some themes that have been I've spoken on in the last several months and I'm going to try to weave some things together because I was taught an incredible lesson in these last two weeks um, in my father's passing from the Holy Spirit that I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life and it's something that a reality that God has shown me that 
Honestly, I didn't really understand the fullness or the reality of the truth, the wisdom that God had for me. And what began to be revealed to me is the incredible inheritance that we have in Jesus. It's like discovering if any of you would have a relative pass away, that all of a sudden you found out that your relative left you a million dollars. You'd be like, hello. You didn't realize you had it. It was there for you. And all of a sudden, this inheritance is going to be an incredible uh, gift to you to be used, to be steward. But that's a physical inheritance. But at the same magnitude, We have been given such an inheritance in Jesus as sons and daughters of the Most High. I don't know if we fully understand the enormity of that, this inheritance. And and part of this inheritance that we have is that we have dominion over all darkness, over all of disease, over all of sickness, over spiritual death, we, we have this incredible inheritance. But understanding that we have an inheritance is one thing. But taking an advantage of it is another thing. Do you realize that? Are you really taking advantage of this incredible inheritance that we have and see that we have been given all authority over the evil one? Every bit of authority. So that means that this inheritance is going to help you in all of your circumstances in life. It's going to help navigate you. But to understand the reality of the inheritance that we have in Jesus, our spiritual eyes must be opened. The eyes of our heart have to be awakened. There is a realm that is in the natural realm that you don't, you know, you can walk around the natural realm and you think you got everything figured out. And then there's a spiritual realm that you cannot see into unless the eyes of your heart are open. That you can see into the mystery, into the wisdom of God. So you're, you're... your, eye, your heart sees, but it's got to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit so that you can see into things and understand things. The believer's inheritance in Christ is the wisdom of God. And it was hidden throughout all the ages, but it was made revealed fully in the personhood of Jesus Christ. So... Grasping that truth that, that the wisdom of God is, is our inheritance um, will help us walk in the reality of it. And it's really the key for us to take our place as the triumphant church. The church has got to wake up that we are triumphant in Jesus. We have been given this authority in Him, and as a triumphant church, we're to reign and rule as kings and priests. Amen. 
And so in that, when we understand that we are triumphant, we will not be beaten down by everyday circumstances. When you're feeling depressed, you're feeling oppressed, you're feeling defeated, you're feeling like the enemy's lying to you, you can't even get out of bed. When you come to understand that that's not the place that you're to be, and that the potentially the reason that you're feeling defeated is because there's an opposition coming against you. There's an entity that does not want you to thrive, does not want you to enter into your inheritance, does not want you to walk in victory, but wants you to always be defeated. And if he can convince you that you're defeated, then you're going to walk around not even able to access what Jesus has paid for you. So you walk around kind of limping in life, but I believe the greatest days are ahead for the church. We're to be triumphant. We are not cowards in a corner trying to fight off the enemy. We're not in a position where we don't have a voice anymore. We are not silenced. We are actually to be reigning and ruling on this earth. And I believe God wants to raise up a triumphant church that is not defeated, is not depressed, and is not having a bad hair day. It is a victorious church. We got to remember, we're the head, not the tail. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We got to stop letting the tail wag the dog. Isn't that right? Or, yeah. So Ephesians 1.16. Let's, let's turn there real quick. Ephesians 1.16. Do not cease giving thanks for you. Paul says this while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse, please. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul's praying, I pray that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and then he goes on to say, and I pray what? That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you would know what is the hope of his calling. And that is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. 
What is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God wants to reveal to his believers in Jesus? What is this wisdom and revelation that he's wanting to give us? And that is a key that we've got to unlock. I believe part of it is that the Holy Spirit wants the eyes of our understanding opened. That you might understand the fullness of the complete victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is the complete victory of Jesus. And understanding the magnitude of the victory of the cross over Satan gives us the position of authority that is our inheritance. Secondly, he wants us to understand what Jesus is seating in high places far above all things. You gotta, when we just read that scripture, let's go back. It says that he raised him and put him at his right hand in heavenly places in verse 21, it says, far above. He's just not in heavenly places. He's far above. So that means he's above every spirit, every principality, every power, every dominion, every ruler. He's above. He's way above. Far above. And there's not even anyone close to him. And understanding that he's far above... Means, secondly, that if you're in Christ, you have been crucified with Christ, as Paul says. You've been buried with him in baptism. And by the grace of God, he's raised you up and seated you with him. Okay. So if you're with him and you're seated with him. If you're joint seated, you got to realize that you're sitting beside Jesus in the spirit. If you're sitting beside Jesus, what does he say? You're far above. So you got some really good box seats. I mean, they're like nice seats. First class seats. Far above. You got a good view up there. But that's where you are in the spirit realm. And sitting with him as joint heirs is a benefit of our redemption in Jesus. It is the grace of God. As we were dead in our sins, he raised us up in Christ and has seated us with him. It's a positional authority. It's a positional authority. And he wants believers to know that you are no longer subject to Satan because you have been delivered from the dominion of darkness. Remember, you have been translated. You were once in the kingdom of darkness before you knew Jesus. He's translated you. He's pulled you out of that kingdom, put you in his beloved son's kingdom, and has raised you up. And this is so important to understand. It's, it's having the, a, a winning perspective on things. 
It's having things from his perspective that we're in the know of understanding that there's no battle anymore. The victory has been won. So the issue comes down to this. For the church to be triumphant, you've got to believe that this is part of your inheritance. You've got to understand and believe. When I wake up every morning now, I sit down and I say, Jesus, I'm with you, man. I'm seated with you. I'm far above all of those cronies. And you've got to understand because this is a winning perspective. This is a triumphant perspective. It is, a, it is a knowing that as I wake up today, I'm not just trying to fight my way to have victory every day. I'm already in it because he's victorious. And I'm in him. It's not a special power that I have. It's only a positional authority that's been given to me by Jesus because I'm in him. He's the one. He's the one why we are able to stand victoriously. So our eyes have to be enlightened. That we are actually sitting, you're sitting, above all rule and authority, power and dominion right now. Right now in the spirit you are. If you don't understand that, you can get the legs taken out from under you. Because you're going to be in a position of always feeling like you have to battle for your position. Just simply sit and believe. The victory of the cross has won it for you. So you stand in that. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6-7 says this. I'm going to read this from an old translation called the Moffat translation. Mr. Moffat. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6. We discuss wisdom with those who are mature. Only it is not the wisdom of this world or of the dethroned powers who rule this world. Do you understand what that just said? We discuss wisdom with those who are mature. You guys are mature. You're getting your PhD right now. Only it is not the wisdom of the world or the dethroned powers who rule this world. It is the mysterious wisdom of God that we discuss. That hidden wisdom which God decreed from all eternity for our glory. This is so important. The Holy Spirit wants us to understand that the enemy is dethroned. He's dethroned. He's lost his seat. He's lost his power. And that we as believers have victory over him in Christ Jesus. So, the wisdom is, is that the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and being illu are illuminated and understanding He is a dethroned individual. He is dethroned and basically all forces uh, under Him are also dethroned. So Satan and his cronies are all dethroned. He's dethroned. Dethroned means, let me just say this, is defined as to remove from a throne or place of prominence. He's disposed. 
The word disposed means to remove from office, position, or authority, especially a high office. Satan has no authority over any believer. He has no authority. Unless the believer gives him access or authority through lack of knowledge, realizing that he's not dethroned, lack of understanding the word, disobedience, or failure to exercise the rights that Christ has given you. The fact that Satan is dethroned and he's stripped of his authority is the wisdom that the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring across to the body of Christ that we are triumphant in him. And we're not having to fight our way till we get to heaven. The, his victory is your victory. He defeated him. Now you get to stand in that defeat. So, I, you know, when I was many years ago, I kind of got into this waging the war and doing battle with the enemy and trying to take back the ground and, and do all this spiritual warfare. And, you know, I've come to realize I've been really picking a fight with a defeated, dethroned entity. I've been fighting against somebody that's been dethroned, and that's what he's been wanting us to believe all this time. He's wanting us to think, we got to fight our way back. we got to win the war. And he's like, yeah, he doesn't realize I've already lost it, but you know, let him believe that, you know. We're fighting someone who's dethroned. He's been stripped of a position. And the issue is this. Are you going to stand in the authority of the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ and declare who he is and walk forth in your inheritance and receive your reward from Jesus? He wants us to believe that we got to struggle and war against the host of darkness to overcome everything. And that's a lie. It's a lie. He's lost it all. But of course, he still yields power over unsaved people, people that are blinded. He is the God of this age. And I'm not going to say he doesn't have any power. He has power over unsaved people that are foolish and disregarding the good news of Jesus Christ. But he's blinded. He's blinded the minds of a lot of people that they cannot receive salvation in Jesus. I've been praying for my father's salvation for many, many years. And every time I, I tried to share Jesus with my dad, he would just shut me down. And he would say, I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. And he told me, you know, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. But, I, you know, I would think in my mind, well, but dad, there's no fruit in your life. Your life is not bearing fruit of, from repentance, works of repentance. And, and in that, you know, I would tell him, I said, dad, the devil believes. But... I said, when are you going to surrender? And so over the years, 
you know, my father had gotten involved um, with the occult and psychics and other New Age stuff. In the last year, I really started to press into the Lord and I started to fast and cry out for my dad's salvation. And then one day in prayer, the Lord showed me that there was a blinding and, and blocking spirit that was preventing from him to receive Jesus into his heart. And I began to cry out and ask the Lord. I, I, I began to say, God, have mercy on my dad. And I began to fast and pray. And I began to ask other people to pray. And I'd say, Lord, pray for my dad's salvation. And a week before my dad's surgery, several weeks ago, the Lord said something to me that really surprised me. And he said this, you do something about it. And I thought to myself, all right. And he says, I'm not going to deliver your dad. He said, my work is finished. You are the one that's to see your dad delivered. And it turned the table on me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Because I've been saying, God, get him. You know, go after him. Save him. But see, God's not going to go against someone's will. He's not going to just, if, if he just, you know, why would we have to preach the gospel if God would just come down and save everybody? So the reality was that the work had been finished by Jesus. And he's saying, you know, the word does say that you're to cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead, doesn't it? Yeah. So he says, I want you to stand in my authority, and I want you to command the Spirit to leave your dad. See, I have authority in the Spirit in my family over what's going on. And so the week before I went down to see my dad before his surgery, I began um, to seek the Lord as to how to pray. <laughs> you know, because I'm learning. I'm like, all right, Lord, what am I doing here? So the Lord basically laid it out to me, and he said, I want you to pray this. He said, I want you to pray this way. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of a blocking and binding spirit over my father's life. And I claim his salvation. And I said that with all of my heart. And I believed in my heart that the spirit that was hindering my father was removed. Because there's influencing spirits that can prevent people from receiving Jesus or they're blinded to the truth of who he is. And so as I was preparing to go down to see him before a surgery, um, I met an individual for the first time and I share with them, I'm going to go see my dad and, you know, I'm going to go down there and pray with him and share with Jesus with him. And, she, and this individual said to me, she said, I feel like you're to break bread with your dad, have communion with your dad. So, I said, perfect. I got the elements together, got in the car, headed on down to Florida. I got there to see my dad the night before his surgery. And um, when I came into the room, they have already done some uh, preliminary procedures on him for the surgery. He had to have some major heart surgery. And, um, and as I walked in, uh, my sister was there. My sister was going to be taking... Uh, my dad's wife 
and, and my dad's wife's daughter out for dinner. And so they're leaving, and I'm, I'm there with my dad. And when I looked at my dad, I could tell something was different. There was something different with my dad. I was, he, the impression that I had is that he was very meek. There was a humbleness. There was a teachableness. There was something different about my dad. And so I took the elements and I, I, I got the bread out. I got the, the bread and then um, I said, oh, dad, I forgot the grape juice. Because <laughs> I shared with him, I want to do communion with him. He said, oh, great, let's do communion. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so, so I said, I forgot the grape juice. And I looked over the table and there was a little cup of juice right there on the table. I said, oh, my goodness, dad, look, Jesus went before us and provided grape juice. So I said it was like a, a, a you know. The, the ram in the thicket, you know, he got provided, you know, the, so I, he provided the juice. And so um, I, as I got ready to start, the Lord spoke to my heart and he says, you have 30 minutes. And so I went ahead and started, I, I broke the bread with my father. And in the breaking of the bread, I shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news. And as I broke the bread with him, I talked about what the body of Christ did for him and how he died for him and his body was broken for him and he died for his sin. And I said, Dad, I said, one of the most horrific thoughts that I have is to even think that you would not be in eternity in heaven with me forever and ever. And I said, I can't, I, I can't even process you not being with me. And I said, the, the fine men have very strong wills. And he says, you better believe it, son. Like, like it was a badge, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Dad, but that's not always a good thing. I said, because... You know, you have said to me over the years that you believe in God, but you have not surrendered your will to Jesus, to his lordship. You've not confessed him and received him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. I said, Dad, it's time for you to surrender your will and invite Jesus to come into your heart. And I said, are you ready? Dad, are you ready? He said, I am. And I led my dad through sinner's prayer. And there was something that shifted in the room. And then I took the, the juice and I, I shared with him the, the blood of our Savior and how he was going to cleanse him of all his sin and, and remove all the guilt. I said, Dad, there's been so much in your life that you've done that you've been you've been feeling guilty about and I said he's gonna take the guilt and remove it from you and so he received Christ I said how do you feel right now he said I've never felt this peaceful before in my life and then he looked at me and he said he said son would you please pray that Jesus would go into the surgery room with me. 
And I just started crying. Because I had seen a vision before I came to my dad that the Lord was with my dad in the surgery room with an angel behind Jesus. And I said, I'd be honored to pray that Jesus is with you. And he already showed me he was going to be there, but I'll just pray it anyway because he loves you. And, um, and after that, 30 minutes to the mark, the doctors came in the room. And, um, and it was over with for me, any guest, to be with my dad. My dad then, uh, went into surgery, and um, he went into surgery, and it was about a nine-hour surgery, and it was the most difficult surgery. If anything could go wrong, went wrong. And I never, he never regained consciousness after his surgery. And then he, um, after several days, went home to be with the Lord. And so I would have never had a chance to share Jesus with him after that. That was my little window of time. When the Lord said you had 30 minutes, he meant it. And so in that, um, I told Liza, I said, my dad's salvation was like the thief on the cross. At the last minute, he said, would you please remember me in paradise? And Jesus said, from this day forward, you will be with me in glory forever. I thought, oh, Jesus, I can't wait to see my dad. I, I, I wish I could see his face right now. Because I know he's like, wow, if I'd only known all this was waiting for me. I know that my dad is just, I mean... You know, the scripture says, what, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So it's like, he's just like, I imagine my dad I, seeing Jesus face to face and just being held in his arms and being loved by, by our Savior. I can't imagine what my dad is experiencing right now, but I can't wait to see him. But taking my authority in Christ... In commanding that spirit to leave my father was the game changer. Do you understand? Things that we battle with today aren't always that we're having a bad hair day. There are spirits and demonic forces that want to make you feel defeated, depressed, and that life is not even worth living. And you've got to contend with those spirits so that you walk in the victory of Jesus Christ and receive what he has for you. So to walk in triumph in Christ, it's so important that you know your position in Christ. Your part of your redemption, your inheritance is being that you get to sit with him at the highest place in the universe. So does that mean anything to you? Does that mean anything to you that you are sitting in the highest place in all the universe? And you're sitting there with Him. And it's because you're in Him. And it's because you get to be in the victory because He won the victory. So Ephesians 2, 1 through verse 2 says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Verse 4. But God being rich in mercy, 
because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. Do you see that? Verse 6, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This isn't something that's being foretold at, at your homecoming when you go home to be with Jesus. This is a reality that is a fact right now. You're sitting with him right now. That's part of your redemption. You need to start letting that sink into your mind. Sink into your mind to realize you're not always having to battle a defeated, dethroned enemy. You're sitting with Jesus. That's where we all want to be. But you know what the enemy always tries to do? You know what he's doing? He's trying to get you out of your seat. He wants to get you out of your seat. And you know what's so interesting? Even after a wonderful victory of seeing my father born again, blood-bought, saved for eternity, even after that, the enemy tried to bring an offense in my life to get me offended over a situation that took place after my father's death. And, and you know what it did is it allowed, it allowed anger, a little bit of anger in my heart to come. It allowed a little bit of, of uh, kind of feeling like I was being slighted. And I'm like, and, 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 and I almost took the bait. But what the enemy was trying to do the dethroned one, was get me out of the seat. Because I was sitting in the seat. But then he tried to get me out because he wanted me to take an offense. It is, it, sometimes he wants you to take the bait. It's been called the bait of Satan. He wants you to get offended. When, he get, when you get offended, then you can get angry and frustrated and have unforgiveness in your heart. And then you just open up the door to the enemy to walk in and say, Woohoo, this is going to be fun now. So by grace we have been saved. So according to Ephesians 2.6, believers are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So remember, your joint seating with Jesus is far above. So when you wake up every morning... I want you to remind yourself, I am far above with Jesus. I am sitting with him as you put on the full armor of God. And then evil spirits cannot influence you when you're sitting far above. The thoughts of defeat and discouragement and despair and hopelessness and all these things cannot get a hold on you when you're sitting in your seat. As a believer, your sitting with Christ is part of your inheritance. Sitting in the seat is your inheritance. But we need to start exercising that seat. You need to start sitting in that seat and exercising the authority that has been given to you. 
it is imperative that we start rising above our circumstances. We've got to get out of this, this natural realm and take our position as those that are the triumphant church, not the defeated church. When you do that, when you, when you sit in your authority, in and of ourselves, we have no power over the enemy. But as you sit in authority, in the seat of authority in Jesus, and you believe, Scripture says in Ephesians 1, that we, those who believe will come to know the surpassing greatness of His power. So when you are in authority... And you stand in authority and you exercise your authority, then power is released. And the enemy responds to authority. He responds to authority. It's kind of like a police. If, if I could say that you were a police cop and you're at a busy intersection and you're standing there in the middle of the intersection and all of a sudden you come up, you drive up to the cop and the cop says, Guess what? You go that way. Or if he says, you go that way. If he says, stop, you stop. He's exercising the authority that he's been given as a police officer. Okay? Now, does he have any natural power and ability to stop a two-ton truck coming his way with a nice Hemi engine coming at him, he has no power at all to stop a big truck coming his way. But he does have authority. And when he exercises his authority, he can stop the truck. Well, do you understand? You're the cop. You're the police officer. You've been given the authority over the devil. And he responds to authority. Why does he respond to authority? Why? Because of the finished work of the cross and because of the name of Jesus. As soon as the name of Jesus is said, all demons tremble and flee. So you're standing up there. You're the police cop. And you're doing traffic. You know, you're, you're telling everybody where to go. So you're directing traffic, but you're directing it as a believer in the name of Jesus. And when you tell a devil to go, guess what? He's got to go. He, he can't sit around because he, he responds to authority. Do you realize that? And the authority comes from the name of Jesus. No other name. The name above all names. Every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will bow their knee to that name. And it's in His name. You don't do it in your name. You'll get beat up. Don't even mention your name. It won't go well. It's His name. Declare His name. And when you declare His name, what you're declaring is the victory of the cross. That He defeated the enemy. So he's got to respond to authority just like we respond to a police cop. Now, there are some dumb people that don't respond, then they get in trouble. But, you know, 
The, the reality is, is that he responds to authority. But he knows if you know if you don't have the authority. He, he, he knows. If, if you're walking around just wondering who you are in Jesus, he knows that. But when you take your rightful place, you take your seat, and you begin to exercise it, you're exercising your privileges and your rights as sons and daughters of the Most High God. He knows that. He can come up, he can say, you know what? Peter, I know. Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. But you, <laughs> I don't know. You know, and so he, he's got to know your name. And the reason he knows your name is because you're in the authority of the one and only name, Jesus. And he responds to it. And so it's not like you're having to go pick a fight and just figure out how you can pick out the biggest sword and, and take his head off. It, it's, it's, the battle is the Lord's. He's already won the victory. The enemy is dethroned. Jesus is simply wanting you to enforce, enforce, enforce the victory of the cross. You're enforcer. I love that name. I said that several months ago. I, w- I wish we could call even Christians a new name now. They are to be the enforcers. We're just enforcing an incredible victory that's already been won for us. It doesn't have to be fought over again. The cross doesn't have to happen again. It's complete. It is finished. It is finished. So we have to begin to operate what is legally ours in Jesus. It has been legally given to us. It is our birthright. But if we start dwelling on the negative side of things, you know, you'll become what you dwell on. Do you know that? If you think, as a man thinks, so he is. If you dwell on the negative, you'll become negative. What you're thinking about and dwelling on is what you're really believing. And what you're believing is what you're talking about. And eventually what you're believing and talking about is what you will become. So start thinking about the right things. Start thinking about the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ and rise up and take your rightful place. So a believer's position and seating in Christ is a fact. It's a fact. It's not something that you have to figure out. Maybe it might really is true. Maybe it might work out. It's a fact. But it's, do you believe it's a fact? It's already happened. That position was attained for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have to enjoy the rights and the privileges of it that belong to us as joint heirs with Christ. But you cannot possess what you don't know belongs to you. But when we get the revelation of our position in Christ, the difference that it's going to make in your life is going to be incredible. I believe when we come into this revelation, 
that we are the triumphant church, not defeated, is going to be the game changer in all of history. Because the church is going to take its rightful place and it's not going to be pushed around and dictated by forces of darkness anymore. We're going to be able to be the, the police cop exercising our authority in Jesus and telling the enemy where to go. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord and none other. So we're to be triumphant. We're to be overcomers. But the key to this glorious inheritance and our authority that we have in Jesus over all powers of darkness is in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. It's in His name. It's not in ourselves. You know, over the years, I wonder if we have just flippantly used his name like it's a magic wand or something or whatever but the name is so powerful that the enemy trembles just at the name enemies flee just because of the name and when we exercise and stand in his glorious name we can begin to possess our inheritance that we have in Jesus seated with him. Because John 14, 13 says this, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's in his name, his glorious name. No other name. Philippians 2, 9, 10 says this. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. You know, we don't ever have to be cowards that focus on the forces of darkness or, sub or submit to any satanic oppression. When we stand in the name and are boldly taking up our authority, we begin to rise up as a triumphant church, as the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we're able to usher in our Father's kingdom here on earth. Because how did Jesus instruct us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We need the bread of heaven. We need the bread of his word. Jesus says, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, when he was tempted, he said, you know, basically, I'm going to stand on the word and live off the word. I don't need bread. So in that, we are, we are forgiving those who have trespassed against us and, 
and we're asking the Lord to forgive us of our trespasses or forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then what does it say? And let us not be led, what? Into temptation. Why? So we can be delivered from the evil one. And that is an, an effectual prayer that we need to be praying every single day. Because when we invite God's kingdom, when we invite the realm of heaven, do you realize the host of heaven is coming down with you every day? Angels are with you. God's inheritance is with you. God's authority is with you. God's peace is with you. God's righteousness is with you. God's power is with you. All authority has been given in the name of Jesus. And the scripture says in Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that you will come to know the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe. Believe. And as you stand in that authority, dunamis power is released to defeat the enemy. So I'm excited, church, because I'm so grateful for the revelation that the Holy Spirit is giving to the church. That the eyes of our understanding are being lightened. That we realize, woo, the best days are ahead for the church. We are not going to be coward, pushed in the corner, made to believe that, oh my gosh, are we going to make it? No, we're going to rise up and we're going to see the mighty victory of the cross. Amen. 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 You know, I think we just need to give the Lord a big clap for what he did for us. Right? Come on. I mean, he has won the victory. Thank you, Jesus! Yeah! Come on, Jesus! Man, what a mighty God we serve. Right? Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adores Him. What a mighty God we serve. It is a good thing. So, Father, I thank You and I praise You so much. For the glorious victory that you won on the cross. I thank you Jesus. That you have gone before us and made the way. And that you. As you were raised up. By the glorious might of your father. And seated at the right hand. Of your father. You had us in mind. You had us in mind the whole time. And that when you were raised from the dead, the mystery that was hidden from all times is now being revealed through Jesus. That we were raised with you and seated with you in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Jesus, I pray that we would take our rightful place sitting beside you, which is such an honor and privilege. And I pray that we would sit there in the authority that you have given us and we would step out 
and begin to have eyes that see and ears that hear. And I'm asking Lord Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus, if there are any oppressive, demonic spirits that are trying to oppress and defeat and dilute and try to undermine the work of the cross of Jesus in anyone in this room, I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I command any foul spirit to leave everyone in this room. I command you to cease in your operations against anyone in this house. I command you to cease and desist in all of your maneuvers and schemes right now. In the name, the glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything coming against and oppressing be gone in the name of Jesus. For the victory of the cross has defeated you. And the blood of Jesus is against you. And I declare and decree right now that this church will rise up in triumphant. Will be triumphant. Because we are the head and not the tail. And we will rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will take our inheritance. By faith. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would baptize this church in power. And that, Holy Spirit, your power would begin to flow through this church in such a way that every demon in hell would flee and that powers of darkness would be broken because we are the servants of the Lord. We are soldiers of the Lord. And, Lord, we will stand enforcing the glorious victory of the cross here on this earth until we see you face to face. And Jesus, our lives are yours. For Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who's delivered me from all darkness. Jesus, I thank you for delivering us from the evil one. I thank you for breaking the power of all darkness. I thank you, Jesus, that we will no longer be tormented depressed and defeated but Jesus you have paid such a price for our freedom and I thank you Jesus for delivering us from all powers of darkness and God I thank you that we have an inheritance in you we have peace we have love 
we have an assurance that everything is going to be okay. Holy Spirit, blow through this place. Let a spirit of holiness come into this place. Holy Spirit, be what you need to be for each and every one in this house. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. And we worship you, Lord. And we praise you. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. And we love you with all of our hearts. And we give you our lives. Our lives are yours. Have your way with us. And we thank you, Jesus. I just ask, Lord, right now that you would set some free in this room that have been tormented with fear. Lord, I ask right now that you would set your people free from fear, all fear, all torment. If you've been battling with fear, I just, I just want you to lift your hand because I, I really feel that the Holy Spirit just wants to drive away all fear. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. And I bind a spirit of fear in the name and in the authority of Jesus Christ. I command fear to leave right now. Get off of your people and be gone right now. That tormenting fear, you have no hold anymore. I break your power in Jesus' name and I command you to leave. Never to return. No more fear. Only love. In Jesus' name, I declare the victory of the cross over everyone here that would battle with fear. For the enemy has been defeated. The victory is the Lord's. Lord, I thank you that as sons and daughters, we will walk in the love of God, free from all fear. And I ask now, Lord Jesus, that you would deliver us from torment of fear. Everyone in this room, no more torment. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for releasing that and breaking that off of your people. And Lord, we will stand in the victory of the cross. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. For you have paid a mighty price that we might be jointly sitting with you. And I thank you, Jesus, for that.
I'm hearing the Lord say, be not dismayed. I have called you victorious. You are a victorious people because of what I have done on the cross. Be not dismayed. Come out of agreement with the lies of the enemy that have kept you bound, that have tried to define you, tried to define your identity. Come out of agreement with fear, but come out of agreement with the lies that have been attached to it, that you have no authority, that you have no control, that your prayers are ineffective. Break the power of that right now. Jesus, as a body, we repent for believing the lies of the devil. We come out of agreement with him and we step into agreement with you and everything that Sam preached today, your power, your authority, what has been paid for, it is already paid for. We are victorious. If you have been battling fear, but you are out of agreement with it, you say, I will not bow my knee to it anymore. I need you to stand. Jesus, I thank you. You see your sons and daughters. You see them rising. You see them standing. You see them coming out of agreement with the enemy. You see them rising up in their true identity in Christ and who they are. And Lord, I am inviting you, Holy Spirit, empower them. It's not by their power or might. It is by your spirit. Empower them to come out of where they were, even as they walk out the doors today. They are no longer who they were. They are new creations in Christ. The revelation has come, and they are standing in a new place. And they are going to watch and see, even this week, changes. Even this week, those things that they were bowing their knee to in fear are not. They're going to dissipate. Something is going to shift. Yes. 